I want to do something that's impossible, and it's, I know it's impossible because the scripture says that it's impossible to know all the depths of the love of Jesus. But I want to do my part today, and I'm praying by the power of God that each person who hears this will come to a greater understanding of the love of Jesus with many results in their lives. In one sense, I don't know if it's going too far to say, this is why you exist. And this is why we exist, is to be loved by Christ and to love him back. And this is the core reason for our existence. And there's lots of details of working this out. But it sure seems like from this passage that God's goal in the world and in the universe is to create a people who know how humongous the love of Christ is and in return love him back with everything they've got. And this is actually the definition of heaven is to be with Christ knowing he loves you and loving him in return. So I want to read scripture and then I want to tell a quick story. And then how I want to just kind of craft the morning is I want to work through the love of Christ from the height and the depth and the length and the width of it and just help us to think about Christ's love. These are the very words of God. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, which is a lot of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to tell you about uh, one of the dogs my parents used to own. They, they're dog people, and so they've owned a lot of dogs. And This is when I was still living at home, I believe, if memory serves me right. They blur the years as you get older. It was this dog, Rosie, and Rosie was a rescue dog. So Rosie had been taken out of her, seized from a home where she was not being taken care of well and then found her way across the U.S. into Canada to be living with my parents. And so she had a history, and of course we didn't really, she couldn't tell us what it was, but she was a bit skittish sometimes, and for some reason she really didn't like me. She liked my mom, she liked my dad, she was okay with my brothers. For some reason she really, 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 really didn't like me. And I was at home one day with the dog, and I can't remember how it happened, but Rosie got out of the house. And so I was trying to get her to come back home and every time I would get near to the dog the dog would jump away from me because she really didn't like me she didn't trust me I don't know why I don't think I'd done anything to her Um, my parents always wondered if I reminded her of her old owner or something like that but 
my parents had this really long driveway that was like, I don't know, hundreds of meters long. And so I followed the dog down the driveway, coming, come home, come home. And, you know, I ran back and I got some biscuits, hoping that that primal urge to eat everything that dogs have would overcome the, the fear or the skittishness. And I was following, Rosie, come back, come back, please. And then I would kind of go back and give her space, hopefully that she would just kind of follow me if she could, wouldn't let me get near her. But she didn't like the biscuits and she didn't like just following me home and so as I was trying to reach out to get close to her she she ended up on the road outside of my parents house where there's traffic I was starting to get pretty stressed there because of the road in front of my parents house has lots of bumps so you don't see those in Steinbeck but it, it's like built on the side of a hill so there's lots of undulations up and down and so where Rosie was hiding, ha- hanging out at the end of my parents' driveway was at the top of a hill. And so cars that were coming, they could be coming 60, 70 kilometers an hour, and they wouldn't have time to stop very quickly because the dog would appear out of nowhere at the top of a hill. And so I was getting really stressed out because the dog was not trying to like run away, run away, like just go on an adventure, but it didn't want to come home because I was there on the other side of the road. And so eventually I had to run back to the house and call my dad and say, you know, <laughs> sorry, Rosie's out. She won't listen to me. And I went back down and I was so stressed out because at any moment this dog could get run over and it wouldn't come to me no matter what. And so I was out, went back down there and, and was grateful that the dog hadn't gotten hit while I was gone because there were cars coming and having to hit the brakes and then go past and Eventually, my my dad drives up, and this is the moment where I try not to be bitter. <laughs> my dad drove up and opened the door and said, Rosie, get in here. And she did, like this. Just jumped in the car, and then my dad drove her back to the house and then into the house. And it was just, it was done in like a, a minute after my dad showed up. And I'm telling this story because this is what. God in his scriptures through the Apostle Paul is praying for Christians. Knowing that even the Christian heart has a hard time believing how huge God's love is for them. Knowing that even a believer's heart has a hard time believing how much Jesus actually loves them. We are often like that rescue dog Rosie where we we don't want to leave, but we don't want to be close. We, we don't want to run away, but we also don't want to get grabbed and brought somewhere we don't want to go. And we're, we're stuck, like Rosie, in between leaving and staying because of some mistrust that can be there. And Paul is praying for that moment when the lights will go on and, like Rosie, realize my home is here. And I want to jump in and I want to get taken home and I want to be there because somebody I trust. This is actually someone I can trust, that they're for me, that they love me. And so this is, in one sense, what the Apostle Paul is praying for. He's praying that the power of God would come according to his unlimited glory and that Christians in their hearts, which isn't just the place where you feel, but it's your inner person where you do your thinking and your willing and your wanting and your feeling, that Christ would be strengthened to dwell there so that we could begin and understand how high and low and wide and deep is the love of Christ for us so that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And even as we were just having our, our, I was listening to worship this morning, I was thinking about this desire of, of God's that we would be filled with God. Because 
if you think about it, we get empty really easy. Anybody, do you ever, do you ever feel empty? Does anybody ever feel empty? Then, and I'm not even sure if this is a result of the fall or the result of sin, but human beings get empty. We're, in fact, we're constantly in a state of trying to fill ourselves back up. And it even begins just with breathing. Okay, you take a breath, and you breathe in that good air. You've got about, what, 30 seconds to a minute, depending on how your lungs do, before you're empty of good air. And you need to breathe again. And you uh, you get rid of the junk air. It's got that carbon dioxide. You pulled all the oxygen out of there. And you're trying to fill yourself back up again. And all day long, human beings are trying to fill themselves back up with something they need. And then every few hours, what happens then? The next basic need is you get thirsty. And you're like, ah, my body, my body is, is using up all that water I've just drank earlier. Somebody's drinking right now. Hey, dear, I got you. Two, I got two points right there for making people drink. You get thirsty and you're like, ah, I need to drink. Because even the water you drink, it gets out of your skin. It evaporates or you breathe it out. Every time you breathe out, a little bit of moisture is leaving because your lungs need to stay moist in order to do their job. So you're breathing out moisture and then your kidneys are doing their work and the bladder's doing their work. And we're always losing this good stuff we've taken into us. So we need to take in some more good stuff. So we need to drink. And then so you drink. But when the, what's the next need? You get hungry because you're thinking and you're feeling and your heart is always beating and your brain is always working and it's using up all this energy that you've, you've taken in and that you've used up the energy and you need to take in more. And this is just our body. But our souls have this nearly unlimited desire for things. And if you want to think about it, you could think in your heart, you have this black hole inside of you that we're always trying to figure in, fill in with, with different stuff. Achievements, significance, love, security, comfort, hope for the future. We just always trying to fill it in, fill it in, and then something weird happens like a pandemic and then... What can happen is like, we need even more now. (laughs) Fill up our hearts with toilet paper. Fill up our hearts with different things. And then you've got this social distancing. And you've turned all the grandmas in the world. I I joked about it last week. It's true. All the grandmas in the world are criminals now. Because they're secretly hugging their grandkids. Because they have this black hole of, of contact and love. And you've got to fill this thing. And Paul knows it. And Paul knows this truth, that the only thing that can satisfy this near-infinite black hole of, of hunger and thirst and for love and significance that we have inside of us is an infinite source of love and goodness. The only thing that can fill up a human heart is the fullness of God. And Paul's experience, even as a miracle-working, scripture-writing apostle, is that even Christians don't get it. It's normal for Christians not to get it. And so here he is preaching and praying, getting on his knees and doing this. I'm going to do it again. Even now, I'm not even going to talk about it. Father, it's so normal. It's tragically normal for the emptiness to be there. And for us to do foolish and destructive things to try to fill up the emptiness.
And so, Lord, I join with Paul and I pray this morning that you would work the miracle in our hearts, that we would know by truth and experience the love of Jesus and thus be filled with all the fullness of God, which is what we were made for. And I believe you can do more than I could ever ask or imagine for your people and in the world. Amen. So I want to pull out a few. This is something you could do too. I just went on Bible program and looked up love and Jesus and and pulled up some scriptures. But I want to look at the love of Christ today. The love of Jesus towards his people. And I'm just kind of making up what is a height looks like and what is a depth look like and what is a length look like and what is a width look like. And so this is just me, how I'm thinking about it. And if you're hearing this message and you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian or you know that you know Jesus isn't a treasured king to you, you can fix it today if you want to. All you need to do is actually a, a quiet prayer and you talk to Jesus and you say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins and and i i want to be filled up i don't want the emptiness anymore and i give my life to you and that's the really the truth about it it can't be just a using jesus for a moment transaction when we come to jesus the only way for it to actually work is to give everything to him because he gives everything to us but you can do that today You can say, Jesus, forgive me for not wanting you or for being apart from you. And you can ask him for forgiveness for whatever else God puts on your mind or your heart. You say, please take my whole life. And Jesus promised, nobody who ever comes to me will I ever turn away. He promises that everybody who comes to him, he will receive. And he'll receive you too. But let's just think through some aspects of the love of Jesus when I think about the love of Jesus for the church as the heights of love, what, what to me that, that highlights is how his love is unlike any human love because it's a God-like love. It's a love that only God can pull off. When I think the height of the love of Christ, I'm thinking the way that Jesus can love people, that other people can't love people because he's God. And Paul even says, it is a a love that surpasses knowledge. That the human mind can't even wrap itself around all the way, but it's still true. And so there's a joy and an adventure in trying to, to explore all the love of Christ. But here's just one scripture where Jesus talks about his love that is completely unique from any human love you could ever have. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talking to his disciples in John 15, 9, he says this, As the Father has loved me, Sorry. So have I loved you. Abide in my love. The same way that the Father has loved me, says Jesus, I am loving you. And this is crazy because the Father has unlimited love for his Son. And for all eternity past, the Father's full attention has been on the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing him in all of his perfections, all of his glory, all of his beauty. And the Father has been completely delighted 
in Jesus forever and has wanted Jesus and has been with Jesus without ever getting bored or without ever getting tired or whatever. They don't sleep like the Father and the Son. They never go to sleep. They have forever without end loved each other with this love that just gets bigger and bigger every single day. There's always more joy in their love. There's always more passion in their love. There's always more delight and peace in their love. And in one sense, their love is so full for each other that it is God himself. As as Jonathan Edwards said, what's the Holy Spirit? It is God's love for his son so full it became another person of the whole of the Trinity, except it's always existed. The fruit of the Spirit is love because the Spirit is the love of God for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father. And so when Jesus says, I am loving you like the Father has loved me, it's impossible for him to say, I choose for all eternity to delight in you and want you and be happy with you and to never sleep so I never stop being with you and to keep you and to rejoice in you. It's so high. And it's true. That's the thing. It's true. That's why you need a miracle to begin to get it that Jesus would say, You guys, my disciples, I love you like the Father loved me. Never stopping, never failing, never quitting, never getting tired. I choose to make you my eternal treasure. Ah, guys, he loves us. And I know we go, oh, that's an interesting thought, Rob. That's why you need the miracle. Because it can't stay a thought or else we'll end up empty again. In fact, that's the reason it's still an interesting thought is because we don't know it like we're supposed to know it yet. And that's why we're called to pray. That's why Paul gets down on his knees and even writes about it. It's because Jesus has chosen to love us forever the same way the Father loves him. Like he'd never done anything wrong and is perfectly guiltless and pure in his sight. Ah! (laughs) Freak out now, church. This would be the point to throw yourself on the floor. It's too much. I'm only on height. I've got three more to go. Church, by the power of God, won't you begin to see the height of the love of Jesus for you? That he wants to and will rejoice in you for all eternity. And even though you were a sinner and were corrupted by his own blood, he made you as pure as he is himself. So that you would be pure forever in his sight. Just like he is in the sight of his father. Amazing. How about the depths?
when I think about the depths of Christ's love, I, th- I have to think about how how deep he went down into losing his honor and into suffering in order to have his people. Two quick verses to read that begin to talk about this. The Apostle Paul writing in Galatians, which one of the things I love about Scripture is that often in the boring books, God will smuggle in one of the best verses. He did it with Leviticus. Leviticus, boring book. Anybody? Jesus, second greatest commandment. Com, com, sorry, commandment. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Right there in the middle of Leviticus. Don't trust a boring book. God has put something amazing in there. Galatians is often for people considered a boring book. The Apostle Paul says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in Romans as well, I'll read this as well. Romans 5, verses 6 and following. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still a sinner, Christ was crucified for me. Because he loves me. These two verses, put them together. They're both from Paul. God shows the depth of the love of Christ for us that while we still hated him, while we were still his enemy, that's when he decided that he was willing because of the will of God and to fulfill the purposes of God and to get his bride, he was willing to suffer the torture of crucifixion because he loved us. You know, many of us are saved at different times in our lives. And one of the things I'm grateful about, about only being saved when I was like 19 or 20 or something like that, or 18, is I can still remember hating God. (laughs) I can still remember as a teenager wishing that and hoping that it was not true that Jesus was real. Being afraid of finding out that Jesus is real. And the reason I can share that without shame is because that shows the depth of the love of Christ for sinners. Even while we didn't want him to die for us, we wanted him dead and stay dead. That's when he died to get us. His people crucified him to stay dead, to not come back. And that's when God brought him back to save us because he loves us. And when Paul says in in Galatians, Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. I know he's on the same page because Paul did not love Jesus. And even later when we meet Paul in Acts, he hates the church and he hates the name of Jesus. But when Paul's finally rescued by Jesus and and is struck blind, struck blind by Christ in order to be humbled enough to reach out to him, he looks back and he says, on the cross, Jesus was thinking of me. On the cross, Jesus was loving me. He loved me and gave himself for me. 
And it just shows us the depth of Christ's love that he was willing to lose everything, 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 and say yes to every kind of suffering in order to have enemies as a treasure. The love of Christ, it's amazing, it is so deep. And we can look out on the world during this pandemic, and and I'm not judging, but look at how much we're doing to try to keep ourselves alive. Look at what we're spending and blowing up in order to keep ourselves alive. And compare that to what Jesus was willing to suffer to love people who did not love him. And because he wanted people who at that time did not want him. Oh, the depth of the love of Jesus. How Deep, he was willing to go right to the bottom. When I think about the length of the love of Christ, I think about how long Jesus is willing to love us for. Does that make sense? How many of you live in fear that someone you care about is going to stop loving you? Or they're going to die and you won't have them anymore? There are people, because of all this pandemic, I talked to somebody this week, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose this person I love. I'm so afraid I'm going to lose that person I love. And we know, we know that even our best relationships and our greatest joys with people are vulnerable. And if you think about it, they're just temporal as well. Everything we have that's worth anything we can lose. It's part of what this season is teaching us. Church, everything that we think worth is worth having, we can lose. Even our most pure human loves. But Jesus' love is so designed that we won't lose it. Ever. Not in this life and not in eternity. It's the longest love ever. Romans 8, who is to condemn? Starts in verse 34. Christ Jesus is the one who died. So death is supposed to end love, right? Isn't that, doesn't death end our relationships? You can go to the gravestone, you can talk to the dirt, but the actual relationship is ended. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or lockdowns, or inflation, or plagues and pandemics? For your sake it's written, all day long we are being killed. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, or governments, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is part of the glories of the love of Christ. It is designed to conquer all things for the sake of the church. 
Human history is just a long list of things that Jesus' love overcomes for the sake of the church. You can't read about anything that will take Jesus' love away. You can't experience anything that can take Jesus' love away. The Christ is designed to destroy all things that stand in between His love and His church. He is a marauding berserker of wrath and violence against everything that stands in the way of His love for His people. He will destroy it all in the best possible way because nothing can stop his love for the church, not even death. And eternity is designed so that every day we can wake up and say this, today will be a better experience of the love of Christ or at least as good as yesterday. And then you wake up the next day And today will be as good as yesterday or better when it comes to the love of Christ. And you'll wake up the next day and today will be as good or better in the love of Christ. This is what eternity is. Every single day, the ever-expanding love of Christ for His people. This is the length of His love. And I could even go back to the beginning of Ephesians and talk about how His love started for us before He even made Adam and Eve. That's the length of His love. I don't understand it, but Christ has always loved me. He always will. And you too. And if you want to be loved with a love like that, you just give your heart to Jesus. You just give your life to Jesus. And you ask him to take away everything that gets in the way. And one of the reasons that we think that Jesus' love goes up and down and we think that Jesus' love rises and falls and we think that Jesus' love might fail someday is that we don't understand that he does have this mission to overcome everything that stands in the way of us knowing his love. The Bible calls these events where Jesus intercedes to remove things that stand in the way of our loving relationship with him Discipline or reproof. Revelations 9, 13, Jesus talking to the Laodicean church says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Because they were loving all kinds of things that weren't Jesus. They were loving their wealth and they're loving their wisdom and loving their accomplishments. And Jesus is saying, you guys think you're rich, but you're actually poor. And you think you're clothed and you're actually naked because you're not on fire. He says, I wish you would even be either hot Or freezing cold, but you're just lukewarm towards me, which is disgusting. And so he intercedes and he rebukes and he reproves because there's things in the way of the length of his love. And even what Jesus is willing to do for the love of his church strikes us as often out of bounds. Because we think that his love should be safe. And comfortable when it's not. It's it's high and low and long and wide, but it's not safe. I think of that story with when Lazarus died in the Gospel of John. This is how it begins in chapter eleven. It says, "Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed." the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. 
But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. This is where it gets controversial. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. That's the truth. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so he came late because he wanted them to see his glory. And you'll remember the story when they show up, Mary and Martha are both fairly convinced that Jesus didn't love them. In church, we will have so many experiences in this life where Jesus is pointing on convictions we have or hidden thoughts we have or lies we believe. And all of a sudden we're responding, Jesus doesn't love me anymore. He's not doing it the way love should do it. You ever had that? Maybe you're in that. And the reality is, is that Jesus only does it the way love should do it. For all of us. Jesus only does it the way love should do it. Because we need to know him, not just get a healing. Or we need to know him, not just get rescued right away. And that can sound frightening. And that's why Paul prays, man, I I hope God will do a a move so that we'll understand the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of Jesus because Christians do a lot of wild things (laughs) when they feel like Jesus is letting go of them. My prayer for myself in the church is this, that, that we would know whatever's happening right now, the love of Jesus has not failed. And he does have a plan for us to see his glory. Because he loves us. Now let's look at the width for a bit. We start right after the worship today. uh, Scott got up and he was praying for the Uyghur people who are suffering immensely. Because you love them, Scott. And I want to end with a similar heart. It's very easy in our culture to, to think that love comes down and ends here. But biblically, when you're filled with the fullness of God because you know his love, it spills out and it overflows. And there's something about our culture where where we think the whole point is just to get things to end with me. My satisfaction, my acknowledgement, my praise, my end. And we even think, you know, if there's a problem, we need to get ourselves thinking more selfishly about self-esteem and self-worth and and self-attention and self-care. And if we can just care about ourselves enough, then we'll get there. Guess what? We're not getting there. Why? Because our eyes are actually meant to be on the one who takes care of us and know him so much that we overflow to others. That's the way. So convinced, so getting it, that everything we could ever need or want is the man Christ Jesus. And then understand there's so many people who don't have him. We need to do something about this. John says this in 1 John 3.16, By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Do you see how that goes together? By this we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to pass it on. It ought to go wide too. Because Jesus loves this guy as much or more than me. Amen? And Jesus loves you guys as much or more than me. It needs to go out. It needs to flow because it's not just a selfish thing. Jesus wasn't like, finally, Rob's made. Now I can finally enjoy my creation. No, Jesus' love come down and out because he loves the next person as much as he loves me. Especially in the church. The Apostle Paul describing his ministry of where he's out there preaching and trying to call every kind of people who don't like him to come to Jesus. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised. And what he's getting at, he's, he's saying this, this, we get the love of Jesus. We understand how much he's loved for us. And now we're controlled. We're compelled to go and try to help other people know it too. Because the one who loves us, loves others. And the one who died for us, died for others. And we know now that all people need to know the one who died for them because he loves them. They need to be brought home. Because we're home. This love controls us. It compels us. And it's so wide. The love of Jesus is so wide. He wants some people from every single people group in the planet to be a part of his bride. I'm going to, this is going to, it matters. Let me say this. Some people are really worried that the end times are upon us. Amen? That this is a sign of the end. When I think about the end times, I think of two things Jesus said needed to happen before he'll come back. Number one, Every nation needs to hear the gospel. That's number one. And number two, there needs to be a massive influx of Jewish people into the kingdom. That's from Romans 9 to 11. And so here's the thing. If you're worried it's the end times, we need to do missions. Because the end times will only end once those two things happen. That people from every tribe and tongue and nation hear the gospel and some of them repent and... There's a massive turning to faith amongst the Jews in order for God to be faithful to his promises to Abraham, Romans 9, 10, 11. So if you're worried about the end times, start giving to frontiers. Amen? Start supporting missions. If you want this to end sooner rather than later, we got to get the word out because the love of Christ is so wide, it doesn't just stop in Steinbeck. It's not like Steinbeck. Woohoo! Hometown. Buckle in the Bible belt. Good. Let's just stay here. There are people on islands who haven't heard yet. And Jesus has organized human history to make them alive at this time. And he will fill people's hearts who want to translate the scriptures into their native tongue. So that that will happen. And that's why we're not dead yet. If all that mattered was going to heaven, we should get saved and die. We stay alive because people groups don't know yet the love of Christ. How wide it is. Every color, every language, any age. Jesus loves and he wants us all added to his bride. Roman or Revelations. People from every tribe and tongue around the throne singing the praises of the lamb who was slain. That's going to happen. And it's part of our job to learn to love that happening for the sake of our Lord. Amen? Okay, I'm wrapping up. 
we should sing. But as I wrap up, I have two homeworks for you. Christian, if this prayer is true, it is your job number one in life to seek to know the love of Christ. To get on your knees and join with Paul in praying for it. And to find every practical means you can attain to believe in the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of Jesus. And I was thinking even today, you know, many of you are going to have lunch in a second as soon as we're done here. Why don't you start thanking Jesus for things and saying, because he loves us. God, it's sunny outside. You've given us the sun because you love us. God, gravity still works. You've given us gravity because you love us. God, thank you so much for this cheeseburger. You've given me a cheeseburger because you love me. And you can add because you love me to pretty much anything. And it will help you live the truth. And number two, I want to encourage all of us to learn to do holy warfare to believe this. If it's true that the best thing that can happen to a Christian and a person and the church is to really believe in the love of Jesus, isn't this exactly what Satan's going to want to do spiritual warfare over you about? Isn't almost every single lie that you hear going to be attacking the love of Jesus in your life? Isn't almost every single message in a secular world that doesn't want Christ going to be try to convince you you can be happy without Jesus, you can be fulfilled without Jesus, you need significance without Jesus, you need success without Jesus. Everything is going to be a fight about whether or not we believe in the love of Jesus because it's the most important thing. And so Christian fight. Learn to fight. Let's learn to fight together. You know what? Singing truth about God is one of the best ways to do that. So let's do it together.